0: Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.
1: This is Amy Brown from 4 Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually
0: Paul Rudd knows one of our names.
2: Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL broadcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys?
3: This is the, uh, the one time of the week I really feel alive, so it's
1: good to share it with you. I've just been like a husk, a corpse since we last spoke. We kind of like pull you out of uh, some sort of storage chamber on Friday mornings to do this together. That's that's uh, an enjoyable factor.
2: And it should be noted, just to provide clarity, uh, the name that Paul Rudd knows is the old Zeuser himself, Dan Hansis. Big fan of my work, and you know, I just that is that's just for the audience. Don't want people to be out in the cold. When it comes to the money drop,
1: that's a Dan no, we're, shout we're out. No, we're eight
2: seconds into the
1: show and already have a third-person reference, so we are on brand and firing um, <laughs> with power today.
2: Uh, welcome. Uh, yes, this is the Week Thirteen preview. I can't believe we made it here. I legitimately can't believe that we've gotten this far, and it's uh, you know a celebration to be had. And, and and it feels like Week Twelve just ended. Hey, Week Twelve ju- did just end, so we are in a very strange world of the NFL. Uh, something that we'll probably never experience again. So I guess we just ride with the madness. Right, right Greg? No, I'm hoping to do this every year. I'm
3: um, hoping yeah. uh, pandemics just in different flavors kind of pop up uh, each and every
2: season now. You did. This was something that you had asked for. <laughs> this It's funny what the <laughs> pandemic did because Mark had asked for something that would whisk him away from the office for a long stretch and allow yeah, him not he to, to see people again, and he got it. And I would say he's thriving, even though he's pretending that it's not something that he likes now that it's actually happened. Whereas, Greg, you many years said you want football every day and we're almost there now. (laughs) Is this what you really wanted? Uh, Is it everything you could have wished?
3: Well, you've you've brought this up a few times. I did back off that stance about two years ago. I think it was the second child. Um, that was where I decided, no, I, enough. We have enough days of football. I'm not into this. And by
1: yeah, and by the way, my stance was not that I wanted like the entire globe to be gripped. By a pandemic, I said I wanted like a soft hospital stay that would, you know, no real permanent damage, but a three or four month sojourn in a really nice bed with a with a window to look out that would generate sympathy. People saying that guy worked so hard. Um, (laughs) You know, we there's a lot of a lot of concern around him. And when he comes back, he'll be hailed as a hero. This is not how this is unfolding, Dan. So both narratives
2: incorrect. It would be kind of cool if we finally get back to the office and they just throw you a parade for your return to the office. That would be very confusing. That would be appropriate. To people, I feel like, well, um, I feel like
1: that's been a long time coming, but you know, that's a whole different issue.
2: All right. Here we go. Let's get enough of the funny business, okay? because we got a lot of games to get to. In fact, we have 15 games to get to, uh, just two teams on bye. My notes say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Carolina Panthers. Pretty pretty late for a bye. What's the point? Let's let's move that up in the future, uh, 345 Park Avenue. Uh, and we're now going to go through each of the Week 13 games draft style uh, to determine what games we cover come Sunday. Uh, and it just so happens that with the first overall pick in the 2020 Week 13 draft, Mark Sessler has the podium.
1: Well, I'm gonna. I have to go here. I'm gonna go Cleveland at Tennessee. When's the last time the Browns were eight and three facing another eight and three team? This is an interesting matchup. I watched what the Titans did to the Colts last week, and it leaves me very concerned about Cleveland's defense. The back half of their defense is missing Denzel Ward. It's missing safety Ronnie Harrison, and that feels like an inviting mixture for Derrick Henry to go crazy. The counter is you've got Nick Chubb. You've got Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb is playing as well as any running back right next along with Derrick Henry in the league. So this is a classic old school rough and tumble matchup between two teams mm. that want to run the ball I want to trust the Browns in this but I'm a little concerned guys the Titans just last week looked so powerful am I am I am I being a little too pessimistic to think that Tennessee is simply going to walk away in this one potentially
3: no I think that's the conventional wisdom I mean, I, I was thinking of locking up against your Browns this week because the Titans are coming Same. off their best five quarters of the season. You know, the Titans haven't been that great either. I know the Browns are getting a lot of grief about being 8-3 and three and not a strong 8-3, and three, and Titans have b- better wins for sure. But until the last two weeks, they've been a, a poor defense, and they've won a lot of close games, sometimes against mediocre teams, and they haven't been amazing either. I, I don't think you're too pessimistic, Mark, but I also don't want to lock up against your Browns because I just look at you and, you know, you've been through a lot. You've got such a nice, you know, sweet face. I want to be rooting for these brownies on Sunday. (laughs) So I'm not going
4: to – I mean, just look at
3: that guy. You want to you want (laughs) to root against that guy? I don't want to root against him. How about Baker Mayfield show up and play his best game of the year and keep them uh, going in the shootout?
2: I'm with you, Greg. Uh, Mark, you know, you look at Mark. He's a sweet man. He's a sensitive man. He's got the heart of a poet. So (laughs) when I'm staring at the games and trying to figure out what to lock up – uh, I don't, I also don't want to get on Mark's bad side because as sweet and as a, uh, a poet like as he is, another I don't want side to get on too. Mark's wrong side also. So it's like, I didn't want to go down that road. It was just f- far too volatile. So he intimidated me out of it. Uh, the po- the intimidating poet is what I call Mark Sessler. Uh, but I will, I, you know, the research notes that NFL media puts together, which are always awesome. Great uh, factoid here. The Browns' negative 21-point differential is the worst by any 8-3 and three or better team in their first 11 games in NFL history. Now, do I think that that means that the Browns are going to go in the tank? No, because there's some weird stuff around this Browns season, including a trio of weather games that deflated their offense. Um, but at the same time, at some point, you think... Baker Mayfield's going to have to win one of these games. Uh, is is he up to the challenge? Mayfield is a guy that I still have questions about. At some point, he's going to be called upon, and, and it's going to be a non-Bengals team. Will he deliver? Hmm. I mean,
1: I, you, you watch even just the Jaguars game, because it's every game for Baker Mayfield. He he had some puzzling throws in the end zone. The leave you just seen. Is he seeing the field? He also had a couple tight window throws. That's sort of Baker Mayfield every week. I mean, he hasn't thrown an interception in a month, but they haven't really asked him to do as much. I mean, this is a team that runs through the ground. I'm, I, I think it's a big factor that you have Miles Garrett back. I mean, he had missed the last two games. They worked around yes. that. They need him to come in and make a game-changing play. In, in most of their victories... Many of them have been triggered by a Miles Garrett uh, strip sack, turnover of some nature, or a t- huge takedown in, in a money scenario. So Ryan Tannehill will have to deal with that, but uh, this is this is, this is is the best game of the week in my book. Well, also, Ooh, there's great.
2: some major issues of protection for the Titans. Uh, Tannehill's getting hit a lot this year, and they have injury issues. You have... Uh, obviously, Taylor Luan after the year. Ty Zambralo, who was his replacement, he's hurt. Interior, they've been banged up. So if Miles Garrett, he's pretty much unstoppable when healthy. That's a major factor in this game. Another major factor, I think people, it's a little bit under the radar. Uh, we had the great Mike Keith, the voice of the Titans, on the Power Ranking Show this week. And he pointed out that, and he's right, that Derrick Henry is not that far off from a 2,000-yard pace. Uh, he's on pace for almost 1,900 yards rushing this year. And Nick Chubb, I think, is a top three running back in the league. I think Derrick Henry, in terms of his ability, especially this time of the year, it's Derrick Henry season. And I think he's just going to continue to roll over teams, uh, even mm. if the team is good on, on the front as the Browns can be. Yeah, I I think this is a game where the,
3: the 2018 Bakers got to show up. And I and I thought last week against the Jaguars, he made more impressive throws in that game than maybe any game all season. I know it was against the Jaguars, but they were difficult throws. And that's what you're going to need for them to kind of take the next step. Because in my mind, and, and I look at the pro football focus rankings, for instance, and it mirrors a little bit how I see Baker. I thought he was a top 10 quarterback. Uh, his rookie season. I thought the last two seasons that he has been about 20th to 25th. And they're 8-3 despite that. like, And so if he can make big throws against a pretty bad defense, they should be able to keep up in a shootout. I mean, this Titans defense hasn't shown me much all season.
1: I, I do think Kevin Stefanski is a, is an X factor compared to last year when they were blown out by the Titans. A totally different situation. He's a pretty good game day coach and I would expect a couple trick plays on both sides here. Um, my, I do, I, when I think about this game, it's AJ Brown over and over. I just feel like this guy is like a, a man amongst, uh, small children sometimes and Cleveland <laughs> secondary has played like small children at, uh, various junctures. So there is some slight concern, gentlemen.
2: AJ Brown a little bit, huh? beat up as well heading into this game pick the game mark before we move on
1: oh um look at i really want cleveland to show up here but i think it's going to be about 28 25 tennessee titans
2: okay oh okay all right that's fair picking with his head not his heart yeah all right let's move on in the draft now greg you're up next all right.
3: With the second pick, I'm going to surprise you and take a little Patriots Chargers in the late window. I don't think I've watched the Patriots, Rich, uh, you know, live Rich. other than in primetime since week
2: one. It's time. The, the Patriots made me feel something. Wait For a second. The first Greg, time, Greg, we, Greg, uh, Greg. You it. could yeah. have, you could have traded back got this game and picked up more assets on your chessboard.
3: It's it's unbelievable. I don't really care about all that when it comes to, it comes to the draft. You just take whatever you want. That, that's the beautiful thing. Uh, I want to watch this game. I want to watch Herbert versus Belichick. I think Belichick, with his plan against Kyler Murray, was about as good uh, as they've been coaching all season. I want to see what he does against Herbert, who now, two out of the last three weeks, has gotten uh, scrambled a little bit by the opposing game plan and by his own game plan, and that kind of Points to the uh, coaching mismatch in this game. Not only are they um, relying on the run a little too much and they're blowing clock management uh, in Los Angeles, but I just don't think they're taking advantage of all the talent that they have. Whereas Belichick. I thought last week it made me want this team, the Patriots, that is, to get through this game, get a win, and at least get to Thursday night against the Rams, where where the Patriots will be a big underdog, but that they can get to a meaningful game in Week 14. That will be more than I would have expected out of this season.
2: Well, I thought that, Greg, on Sunday night's flagship show, because we're all fans of Anthony Lynn, but I think maybe you're a bigger fan because... You could barely summon the courage to, to bring up his his clock issues at the end of that game, and then I've been talking about yeah, it for three years. <laughs> and then we all and then we all watched the game uh, the next day, and it was stunning. It was stunning what Anthony Lynn did at the end of that game. And you know we have talked about it on the show the last few weeks about you know whose jobs are secure, head coach, whose are not, and I just think like when it comes down to it, when. The Los Angeles Chargers brain trust has to decide who the head coach should be with this rookie that hit the ground running as a top 10 quarterback after seeing how this year has played out. I mean, it's just to me, it makes it, it's tough because Lynn is a good guy, but there's a lot of good guys that aren't good head coaches, and I think he qualifies. I don't see how he could keep the faith of management short of a a great run to close this season. I think he is in a lot of trouble, and I think management will remember this game. Uh, Although you're Hmm. right, he has been having these issues for years. Anthony Lynn's been there for years. He's gotten a long leash to figure this out.
1: I'm with you, Dan. I mean, like, here's the thing. Once you have this prized, first year quarterback in your house I mean you have to go find the best possible solution for him I've liked the offense with him in there and how they've organized it but the time management stuff it sneaks up uh, it's a weekly thing. It's the last-second losses. It's sort of the Chargers' aura of look at us and wait and s- wait to see what we'll do in the fourth quarter. We're going to surprise you, not in a way that's going to uh, delight you. If you live in California, um, I also flip side think that Belichick loves the concept of like the challenge of going up against Kyler Murray last week, Justin Herbert this week. He loves going on with his uh, against uh, rookie quarterbacks uh, here against Justin Herbert. And I think you're going to get a Patriots team the same way they did last week. They're going to want to run the ball a ton um, to keep Joey Bosa out of the mix this is a a big couple of weeks for Cam Newton and Cam Newton's future Um, I don't think he looked good at all last week until that final drive where he used his legs to save them against the Cardinals a very fascinating matchup Greg I don't hate it at number two I do agree with Dan though it's a slight reach
3: it's not a reach at all basically you gotta pick an afternoon game that's the one I wanna watch uh, in the afternoon we should point out Lynn's been there three years one of them he was almost coach of the year uh, so it's, it's been an up and down ride, but you gotta be able to fix your mistakes and they haven't been able to do that. And one of their, their problems this year has been, uh, stopping the run. And Cam Newton has been struggling. Like, it's amazing the Patriots are winning this much without a passing game. Uh, and so he's also playing for his future, whether it's in New England or somewhere else. Like, he is playing to try to be a starting quarterback, but they are three and one in their last four. If they could, if they could somehow win this game, they've won four out of five games. Belichick teams, especially defensively, tend to improve late in the season. Stefan Gilmore is playing well once again, and you never know. I will say their defense has looked quite a bit better the last three or four weeks, and, and they're they're back in the mix, Dan.
2: How about that? I do. I think, yeah, I would say I'd be surprised if they're not playing relevant football in week 16, because I think they're going to hang wow. around because the coaching is so good. And, uh, that typically, you know, teams fall back to the pack, uh, you know, in December. And the idea that, oh, everyone's going to be 10-6 and six that makes the playoffs, it doesn't always end up playing out that way. Newton's obviously got to be better. And Joey Bosa put on an absolute clinic uh, last week. And that's another thing. I mean, you have Justin Herbert. Uh, who's having an all-time rookie season. You're wasting performances like what Joey Bosa gave you uh, last week where he just just destroyed the opponent in every way imaginable. The Chargers have too much talent to have a record this bad, and also for me to think that a Patriots team with this lack of talent, this dearth of playmaking ability, is going to go to L.A. and win is what I think is going to happen. So so things need to be corrected. Is he locking uh, it up? Is he locking no, up the Chargers? I can't lock oh, up. Oh come on! We've we've passed the point where Cam Newton could ever be locked up. He's not a lockable quarterback. At, oh, at this I thought you were going to lock the up the Chargers. I thought you were oh, going to no, no, just no, no. go I'm staying away from Jeff this ran. game. It's a weird game. I'm staying away. Uh, let's let's move on. I'm up now. The old Zeuser, and yes, I am thrilled uh, to have this at number three overall. Rams at Cardinals. Didn't think it would get here, and here we are. This is a great quarterback game. They're all quarterback games on some level, but this one especially. You have, obviously, Sean McVay after a disappointing loss uh, for Los Angeles last week where they turned the ball over, and Jared Goff was sloppy with the ball, and McVay made the pointed comment to say my quarterback needs to be better with the football he's got to protect the football that is that was pointed criticism and Goff has to hear that message he's the big money, big money quarterback I'm not sure they do that deal again that they did a year ago in September uh, with a massive extension but they're locked in with Jared Goff now this marriage is something that's going to continue uh, whether things go poorly or well for the balance of the season but I want to see how Goff uh handles that uh criticism from his coach. On the other side, I don't know what to think about the Cardinals right now because Kyler Murray in a lot of ways is that team and if he's not going to be the dual threat guy, I don't think he's the they're a dangerous team at all. In fact I think they're a very mm. flat team uh and and Mark I'm not convinced he's even healthy. I know we're not hearing about the shoulder anymore, but that doesn't mean the shoulder's not an issue.
1: I would say that it's encouraging to watch what he did on the ground in the second half, especially the fourth quarter against the Patriots. Negative two yards at halftime. And, you, and you know, I was thinking the same thing as you. It must be the shoulder. Um, he ran pretty well down the stretch. They're 1-8-1 and one when he runs for under 30 yards. To your point about the dual threat, you need Kyler Murray on the ground. I mean, we all see that every game. And they've dropped three of their last four. This team is under significant pressure. But I think they're facing a team in the Rams that are under pressure too because it feels like every three weeks or so, a defense rolls in with a good plan that completely unsettles, neutralizes Jared Goff and causes mistakes to the ire of Sean McVay. They've got to find a way for that not to be the case. I know that we always, you know, it's uh, the Rams are the Rams, and they have a lot of talent. I trust them to get into the playoffs, but do I trust them to go on a Super Bowl run when you're watching mm. a team like the Niners take them out twice? I mean, the Niners' defense last week made the Rams' offense look completely mystified, and especially Jared And that leads to turnovers and that leads to losses. That's not a formula to go to the Super Bowl.
3: On paper, the Cardinals have a defense that's really overachieved and can do some of the things that give Jared Goff problems. Vance Josephs, I think, has done a terrific job. If you look how. Untalented they are, especially after losing Chandler Jones up front. They've been really injured. They have a lot of new pieces, a lot of leftover parts from other teams. He has them playing cohesively and he has them uh, blitzing like crazy, but most of their success has been against bad teams and bad coaches. And I think this is a good matchup for him. They've beat, they beat the Cardinals two times last year. Fairly convincing one of those times. And I don't think Murray's shoulder's the problem. I think it's just defenses are making him hand the ball off. I mean, he had... Three throws last week. That there's no chance it's bothering his arm strength. That he made throws that almost no one in the NFL could make last week. His legs are obviously fine. Maybe he's being hesitant to run, but he keeps saying that defenses are forcing me to hand off on the on the you know option plays where it's he either keeps it or hands it off. They're just playing Kyler Murray because they're not that worried about the rest of the Cardinals running backs, and and neither would I be. I mean, I would just want to stop Kyler Murray on the ground because the passing game hasn't been that consistent. I would yeah, say Aaron would
1: be, Donald is not going to let him hand off. He's going to want him to hand off the ball. And, like, Aaron Donald's like three times the size of Kyler Murray. just going to scoop him up.
2: <laughs> well, when you factor in the size of Kyler Murray's helmet, they're about equal in size. You have That's to, fair. you got to talk about the equipment <laughs> as well. Yeah, that would be my guess because I didn't see Kyler throwing ducks out there. It wasn't uh, Chad Pennington after his 14th shoulder surgery or anything. But you wonder if it, maybe there is a little bit more hesitancy for uh the Cliff Kingsbury to make those calls or for Kyler to make those decisions we'll see it's all going to play out down the stretch here but they, they need them. the Seahawks the, the Rams are interesting to me because they're almost like uh, the reverse of what's going on in, in Seattle the other team that they're battling for division supremacy where Seattle just needs their defense to get to average and then it's like you let Russ Cook and you let the offense take it home. Weirdly, the Sean McVay team just needs the offense to get to average or a little bit better and then have the defense be what the defense is. And they weren't last week, and you see what happens when they're not. Uh, mm. I like the Rams, though, this week, boys. And, uh, you know, I- for – Entertainment value. I picked the Cowboys last week in the Locks Challenge. What a bad move that was, and I got burned on it. So I'm back to being deadly serious in this Locks competition, and for that reason alone, for the fact that the Cardinals seem flat, the fact that Kyler Murray doesn't have the juice right now, I'm locking up the Rams uh, to take care of business, knock the Cardinals out of the division race, and maybe even the playoffs. And away we go.
1: I like to build a the bridge between too. us. I and mean, it's when a little I can, boring. So that- you're- that we oh we well, you're the locking them
2: up too, Greggy. Oh yeah.
3: And by the way, what, you, what do you I'll mean go- I, I picked the Cowboys for entertainment value? The Rams are like the exact same amount of being a favorite as the Cowboys were last week. Not much. It's it's like oh close to a, coin a difference flip, between, between get, the teams. It would be very wise the records me. for starters. I right. Just but this Cardinals two, team has totally won one job. game in five weeks. One game in five weeks. This Cardinals team. I love Jalen Ramsey to shut down Deandre Hopkins. They're not the same team when that happens. Like Gilmore shut him down last week. Just remember, the
1: lock boys enjoy it.
2: Just remember, (laughs) viewers and listeners, I locked up the Cowboys for you for entertainment. But now (laughs) it's serious.
3: They were favor. They were favored at home. Let's not act like that was an act
2: of courage. (laughs) All right. All right. Enough funny business. Snakes to the zoo, sir. Oh, I'm feeling good about this pick. Saints at Falcons, and I can't believe it. I thought Greg would take this with the second overall pick, and if he didn't take that, he'd take the the Rams-Cardinals. I didn't think I'd ever get the NFC South showdown between the Saints and Falcons, your favorite rivalry in football, and yet here we are, Mr. Rosenthal. And here's a, here's a crazy stat that I think goes under the radar a little bit, and I think it's time to credit Sean Payton a little bit more. Uh, the Saints have won at least six straight games in each of the last four seasons. Like, that's incredible. That is a great run uh, of just every year in and year out being a big-time team, and I believe, what are they on? An eight-game winning streak right now? Um, and now they get the Falcons, who obviously are frisky as heck right now. We saw what they did. They embarrassed the Raiders uh, last week, and, and they got beat by the Saints a few weeks back, and now they get a rematch. And to me... Two things to look for here. Number one on the Falcons side, Julio Jones. He's practicing at the time of this taping. He's got the hamstring issue. When you look at the numbers, it's, it's obvious that Matt, Matt Ryan, without Julio Jones, this offense is mediocre at best. With Julio Jones, it is a very good offense. If Julio plays, that's a big challenge for the Saints. If he doesn't, this feels, uh, lopsided. Then again, the other point here, Mark, is Taysom Hill. Start three. Um, obviously the game plan went totally out the window on some level because they played the Broncos without a quarterback last week. Uh, but at the same time, Taysom Hill didn't look like a quarterback, even though that was his position. We get to see how he looks against an opponent that's playing well, the uh Falcons. Yeah, I mean, it's Taysom Hill
1: might be playing himself out of a future starting job. I, I think it's you know The Saints, and Sean Payton is excellent with backup quarterbacks over the past two years, undefeated with them. So there's that. Um, it's the Saints' defense, though. They have allowed one touchdown in the past four games. I mean, their pressure rate has doubled over the past four games. But this Falcons' defense with Raheem Morris at head coach have gone from 18th, and Greg loves the DVOAs, from 18th to 3rd. In defensive DVOA. So I think this you know—this is an interesting matchup. I have extreme confidence in what I'm about to do, though, right here. And I've gone and checked with the little men in the desert. And this checks out um, heartily with no concern. I'm going to be locking up the New Orleans Saints. And you can say whatever you want about it, boys.
3: I think that's great. I think they're kind of at the level of the Chiefs right now. That any time you get a chance to lock them, you should. Um, but it. they're not favored by much because they don't have a quarterback. I mean, they, this game is expected to be as close or closer than Rams-Cardinals. I don't think that's giving the Saints enough credit because of the matchup here. I, I didn't draft this game because it was such a dud last time around. The Saints' defensive line was so dominant against the Falcons' offensive line. Cameron Jordan has the all-time record of sacks against a quarterback because he just is in Matty Ice's face every single snap. But it's not just Cameron Jordan. It's Trey Hendrickson, it's Rankins when he's healthy. It's it's everybody. It's Marcus Davenport if he plays this week. It's David Onyemata getting pressure they've had no chance they sacked them like crazy when they played on thanksgiving a year ago weird things happen when teams play twice in three weeks and weird things happen when these two teams play so it wouldn't totally shock me if a frisky team frisky falcons team makes this close but the saints are the best team in the league right now i really believe that they don't have a passing game so i don't trust them like the chiefs without their quarterback back but other than that they're the best team in the league
2: they are, according, according to next gen stats, they're running the ball nearly 70% of the time right now. And Greg, you, I think there was some validity to it. You called that, you called out my comments about Alvin Kamara essentially being erased from this offense and the fact that he's also my number nine overall pick in my uh, league of record in fantasy. <laughs> nice yeah, pick. of course. Nice I, I'm a real person. So that's going to shade, I guess, some of my analysis, uh, uh, throw me in jail. But at the same time, isn't it a little bit weird? A little bit weird that Alvin Kamara is your best player uh, on the team, and now you have an offense where you're not really using him anymore. But he's it's not two targeted weeks. In it's the two weeks, game. and
3: they won games by so much that I just I don't think it's meaningful okay. yet. It's, I just it's say he was not targeted,
2: yet. He's been targeted on thirteen percent of his routes with Hill. It was at 37 with Breeze. Maybe it's small sample size. So let's see. Let's see what happens here. Uh, But I think Alvin Kamara needs to be a big part of this. Now there's another part of this too. Alvin Kamara has a foot issue. Maybe they're they're protecting him Mm. right now. So there's too much uh, to really draw uh, conclusions on. Uh, But at the same time, like this offense needs to, I think, feature Alvin Kamara because this Taysom Hill thing, it just seems... I don't know. It mm. seems fugazi to me. Ultimately. I would say this. I just think just Sean totally Payton totally cares.
1: <laughs> Sean Payton cares very much about uh, fantasy football and your fantasy team, Dan. So I, you know, I think you're going to see an it's uptick not in Alvin me, Kamara you know, usage. It's, it's, no, it's I, everyone. People are going nuts. Yeah, i this. I'm I gotta this say though,
2: again, millions and millions of Alvin Kamara fantasy owners are like, "What is happening right now? This is absurd." <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: that, and you're representing them well. I, it's too bad Mark's not watching this game because. Ooh, th- this would this is feels like a lot of pressure. Living on Taysom Hill, playing this uh, Falcons team. It's just a recipe you know, you got you got Young Way Koo leading his fantasy teams to glory every week. You got Keanu Neal, you got Alua Khan on the Falcons diva. It you never know. It's Mark putting himself on the line, putting his heart on the line with Taysom Hill in a big oh, spot I mean, as a lock.
1: I largely feel nothing inside at this point in the season, so like let's you know, I I'll be please, okay. I think there's some please. slight projecting going on there. <laughs>
2: Time now for Road to Victory presented by the United States Marine Corps. Big game here. I like this game. Kind of a sneaky good game. Bills, Niners, Mark, a Bills team, 8-3, and three, feeling good, beat a Chargers team in not the most impressive way. But listen, they're, they're really set up well to win their division. And then on the other side, the Niners who, man, we like the Niners around these parts, especially this team.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think it's sneaky good. I, you know, we've had enough of the Bears and the Eagles, um, at time. <laughs> let's, let's get some real games here. This is intriguing. Uh, you know, the football gods, they riddled the Niners with injuries. Corona did its thing. And instead, now they're getting healthy. I mean, watching Debo Samuel back in the lineup last week and what that did for their offense against the Rams, he was all over the place. Now you get Brandon Ayuk back. Raheem Mostert is back. They, I, I'm looking at this and saying this is the team that could supersede the Arizona Cardinals and jump into the playoffs. It's not crazy. Uh, Nick Mullins would be the X factor there because he seems to do two things a game that totally shatter your chances of winning. Um, but they found a way, especially with this defense is so well coached. It's so well coached and they're, 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 they're so active. And what they did against Jared Goff gave me so much faith. Um, I think this is an incredible matchup, Greg.
3: They are so well coached. It's really amazing because they have gotten healthier on the back end. You have Richard Sherman. Their linebackers are healthy now, and that's great. But their defensive line are mostly guys that they had no interest in playing to start the year. Kerry Hyder has numbers that you would have expected out of Nick Bosa. Kerry Hyder has been on four or five teams. He's a good player, always underrated. But they are so cohesive, and that could be a problem for Josh Allen, who I keep banging the drum makes a few decisions every game that makes you worried. They're not going to have John Brown in this game. They're, they ran the ball better, and I think that's the way to beat the Rams. I mean, the 49ers, rather, ultimately. And so that's big for Buffalo. If they can have some balance, I don't think they necessarily want to be throwing the ball 40 times a game with Josh Allen moving late into December. As explosive as they are, it's almost better uh, to be balanced, to have a change up And ultimately, I do think they have more talent than the San Francisco team.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on that point you've been making about Allen because it seems like, like clockwork, there's going to be one throw – that's put up for grabs and one time he puts it on the carpet, uh, in the pocket. And it's like, can you take advantage of those opportunities? The Chargers last week didn't. I think they had, um, three turnovers in the span of about seven plays in the fourth quarter against the Chargers, but the Chargers is such a mess that they don't know how to, uh, <laughs> you know, accept gifts from other people. So will the Niners, uh, I feel like they're a better team, a better coach team. And I think they would take advantage of that. The other thing with San Francisco, yes, Nick Mullins is a grab bag. He sometimes he'll look like the worst quarterback in the league. Other times he'll look totally competent. Brandon Ayuk's gonna be back here and he's obviously yeah. a big time playmaker. And then Devo Samuel is one of my favorite players to watch uh in the league because he's just one of those dudes where when the ball's in his hand I, I almost said, by the way, one of those cats. I don't but I don't like when people say cats. I don't know. I feel like it's a way <laughs> why, it's an expectation do you want him to, be a to a cat? seem cool. That, why, why, uh, one of those cats. He put the ball in his hand, and he just looks different. I mean, he's just a special cat. No, I'm, I'm calling him a dude. I feel Slightly about antiquated feel cats. A- anyway, so when he has the ball in his hands, he looks different. He's built different. He's thick, but he's fast, and he he runs through tackles, and because Kyle Shannon's a genius at this thing, he finds the way to get the ball in his hands. So as long as Nick Mullins doesn't implode, I really mm. like the Niners in this game. I think the Niners are going to be around in December. Mark, I think we prematurely forked them on Thursday night a few weeks ago. We I
3: wasn't a part of that, Niners fans. They're coming at me sometimes. And I was like, look, I wasn't on
1: that podcast. I wouldn't have forked Kyle Shanahan. Well, Mark, Greg, you, uh, you, uh, you Greg deserve, you deserve that. But, Dan, that was premature on our part. Uh, we, yes. we might. We, that means we have to give money to a certain charity of our picking. Um, charity is a wide term.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We'll see. So I think the Niners win this game. How about that? Outright. Wow. anybody with me?
1: I, I, I took the Bills
3: by a point uh, in this game. But I do think that they're, this is the first game with Ayuk, Mostert, and Debo since week six. And it's a big test for the Bills' defense, who I thought played their best game of the season. That's why I'm taking the Bills. I think their defense might be rounding into form, and that makes that gives them a few more routes to win.
1: I think this is the beginning of San Francisco's playoff run. I would say, like, yummy, yummy. Put this game in my tummy. I'm all about the Niners (laughs) at night. I'm tired of bad primetime matchups. How old are you? I love the San Francisco 49ers. They're going to win this game going away.
2: Lock it up, then. You can always change your lock. Yeah, you can move off the team on the eight-game winning streak for, you know, this game if you want.
1: I, you know what, the narratives. Whenever I pick a lock, the <laughs> narratives are absurd, and the, st- the deep studies show that my locks are are absolutely legit. I'm going to stick with my lock.
2: All right, there you go. That was Road to Victory, presented by the United States Marine Corps. All right, next game. Let's let's knock out the other off schedule game. This is not this is not the Monday Night Football branded game. So do not dare connect that to the celebrated uh, ESPN as. Uh, ABC Disney property, okay? This is Washington football team at Pittsburgh Steelers. 4-7, and 11-0. But guess what? These are two teams battling for a division title. The Steelers obviously in great position right now. Mark Sessler uh, and have a chance to make history. But we're coming off a game uh, against the Ravens on Wednesday that was by no means a piece of art uh, by the Ra- uh, Steelers, especially on offense. Do you, did you, do you give them any pass for the way things played out on Wednesday?
1: I, I kind of do. I mean, so much happened uh, in the lead-up to that. I'm not good at a lot of things on Wednesday, so I, I understand how that goes. Day. Um, you know, it's, uh, I think this, though, a couple of weeks ago you would have said uh, Pittsburgh walks away with this thing. I I'm watching Washington kind of grow into... A bit of a dangerous operation here. And I, you know, Greg, we covered that Thanksgiving uh, bout with Dallas where the Cowboys were embarrassed, I thought, by young Turner, Scott Turner coming up with a lot of trick young plays. T. Our guy, I mean, Logan He's Thomas. He you know listen he's a, he's he's a, he's a property on the rise. I love watching Logan Thomas of late. He ha, you know he's got wildcat carries. He had a 28-yard pass to Terry McLaurin. I mean he's doing all sorts of stuff and they're coming up with creative ways to get people open. I think Antonio Gibson is becoming one of the more intriguing backs in the league. So this is a challenge for Pittsburgh, you know, in a in another weird setup to a game because these teams like to do the same thing every week and it's like now you practice from Wednesday To to Monday. That's that's odd. So I I think you know the Steelers they can clinch a playoff berth with a win here. So they're going to be focused. Um, I would expect a better showing. Mm, I
3: I think this is going to be a big potential problem for Pittsburgh. I I look at the matchup and the way their offensive line is struggling. They had one of the worst days of the season on Wednesday. They not only lost Bud Dupree, their great pass rusher for the season, they lost their center uh, Pouncey. Uh, to the COVID list. He's probably not going to be back for this game. They've, they're coming off a short rest. the, Washington football team, who's the most fun Washington team I've watched since Clinton Portis and Jim Zorn and Jason Campbell were running around, uh, gets better every week and they have some rest. I think you're feeling the weight of the season if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not just the weight of uh, coronavirus that we're all feeling and their team has also been hurt by, Stefan Tuit is out, but the injuries and the undefeated record. You know, they were so miserable after that win, after beating the Ravens, saying it wasn't good enough, and it was JV, and they're not happy. It's like, you see this every time there's an undefeated team in December. It's just like, it's heavy, it's miserable, and meanwhile, you got a Washington team with Alex Smith. Give it to me. Give me the upset. I'm picking Washington to win this game on my game picks. Check that out, nfl.com slash game picks. I need some joy in 2020. How about Alex Smith doing a post-game interview at like 5 p.m. Pacific on a Monday afternoon after he takes out the last undefeated team in the league. That's what I want, give it to me. That well, there's no such you.
2: thing. There's honestly no such thing as a joyful Zoom call. Even, I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, who's how about the post game? Are. It'll be the post game on I whatever understand. network
3: this is even on. Your I bar can't is keep low, track Very low. <laughs>
2: um, all you need to know is it is not ESPN and it is not their property. All right, no. Uh, here's the here's the counter to that. The pouncy thing's a big deal. And yes, Ben was under pressure on Wednesday. I think he threw the ball 51 times, which is crazy, uh, and he wasn't sacked once. And it's all because this new Ben Roethlisberger, where according to Next Gen Stats, fastest in the league time to throw in terms of seconds, uh, highest in the league quick pass percentage. Third highest uh, yards under uh, passes under 10 yards. So he gets the ball out. So it's going to negate the real, to me, strength of the Washington defense more than anything else, which is their front seven and the ability of that front seven to wreak havoc on the quarterback in the pass rush. So while I really do admire the onions, uh, Greg, of you picking... The Washington football team. I don't want to sell the undefeated Steelers short here. I think it could just as easily go the other way, and this game gets away from Washington and the Steelers uh, romp. I I could see that as an outcome as well. Is that something that you can't see as an outcome? It's it's possible, but I like fun. I mean, I guess you don't. You just like boring, old,
3: undefeated teams marching forward. I like Alex Smith. Says the the Patriots then. I like Antonio Gibson. I like Terry McLaurin. I mean, you're just like, oh, the boring old Steelers. I mean, Greg, lock it up if you're feeling so. No, I'm not locking this up, please. Oh, well,
1: so so you put put something on NFL. I put a lot of things on NFL.com that no one will ever have any concept that (laughs) happens. So let's see how that works.
2: All right, let's move on. Greg, uh, continuing on the draft, you're up next. All right, I got the Colts. And uh, the Texans, this
3: is how I expected the draft to go. I really plotted it out. I said they're going to leave this one for me. I'm f- I like that in the morning. I get to watch a little Deshaun Watson. I get to watch uh, my Colts uh, against a compromised Texans team. Let- let's be real. Not just without Will Fuller, but Bradley Roby was playing good at cornerback. So those two suspensions I think really hurts them. And I think their weakness on defense stopping the run in Houston really helps out Indianapolis. They are a totally different team, the Colts, when they can run the ball. John Jonathan Taylor's off the COVID-19 list. It just sets up everything for Philip Rivers, who missed practice this week. A teammate said he's really struggling with this foot slash toe injury. Uh, that's a problem moving forward. I don't think it's going to be a big enough problem against a, a beleaguered Texans team right now. Even though they're winning games, I'm not giving them too much credit. What,
2: one thought. Is it possible that Phil Rivers has reached a stage in terms of lack of mobility and slowness that any injuries to his lower body won't make a difference because he's already at the lowest level of speed wow. slash uh, statue uh, status.
1: I mean, classic Stone Age pony right there. That's the dictionary <laughs> definition of when we when we use that term. Um, Dan, I'm there's not even to joking, that. really. It's no, like, I, how much
2: slower is he going to get?
1: Because you've got to be able to you know, pivot
3: and plant when you throw the ball. If he's missing practice, that's a, that's a problem. He's not a
1: guy who wants to be missing practice. It is. I mean, it helps. I, I mean, getting DeForest Buckner back, getting Nico Autry back off the COVID list. Look, that that is a huge reason that they were destroyed last week by Derrick Henry. It's not the only reason, but it's a factor because this defensive line has been stout. It's been the heart of their team. And you get healthy, you're good. I think the Colts basically are under some pressure here. You can't let the Texans clip you here. I know that they're down, but. Oh, they're still frisky, and the Colts to me sometimes they seem to just go a little stagnant. I don't really trust them on offense at all. I do trust their defense if they're healthy, and you got to take care of business and stay in this AFC wild card picture here and not fade away.
2: I. I... I almost give the Colts a pass for last week. I think DeForest Buckner is the Jenga piece yeah. uh, of the entire team, let alone uh, the defense. And the stats back it up. I mean, when he's not on the field, and he's usually been on the field this this uh, season, they average two yards uh, more per carry on the ground, their opponent does. And that comes despite the fact that when Buckner's out of the game, and this has all come from next gen stacks, stats, Indy stacks the box at roughly double the rate to try to. So they're trying to make up for the fact that Buckner's gone, but he's such an important player that it doesn't matter with the run. And then that leaves them exposed in the passing game when they're stacking the box. So Buckner being out of there was a killer for them. So him being back and off the COVID list, I, I think they, they'll, they'll sense the urgency here. Our, our friend Patrick Claybon, sometimes him and I butt heads about things like momentum and uh, trap games and things like that. I believe in urgency as well and teams knowing they need to win a game, although Patrick, my counter, well, they always want to win the game. He's in no, your head. They, he's not even really, on the show, and he's in your head. They really, really, really need to win this game, and they will, and I would lock it up if I didn't feel so good about my other lock. Hmm. Like that. And I, you know, one positive with the Philip Rivers injury is the Jacoby
3: Brissett, uh, short yardage package, which is one of my favorite, most ridiculous, delightful parts of this entire season where you replace the 32nd slowest quarterback in the league with like the 29th and it's like working. I love Jacoby Brissett, like I've always rooted for it, but it's really funny that you're bringing in one, like a guy who's got about the mobility of Jared Goff to, to run the short yardage
1: plays. It's just, it's fun. Dan, Greg is a weird
2: guy. (laughs) <laughs> he is a weird guy. He's a strange guy. And, Greg, don't be so cynical. Yes, Patrick Claibon's in my head, but in a good way, in the greatest way. Sure. Everyone wants Patrick Claybon in their head. <laughs> All right. Before we move on to the next draft pick, two things, two orders of business. Okay? And I want to start by uh, welcoming in a little surprise, a little early birthday present here from the Around the NFL podcast, his first preview show appearance of 2020 the great chris wessling will join us for the back half of the show what's up wes hey now happy to be here look at that and i'm, I'm glad that wes is with us for the back end of the show and we're all happy for obvious reasons uh but also uh, we need to to say thank you to all the listeners that reached out to us uh wes uh over the last week spotify has their year-end uh data and we were just really an avalanche of um, information was sent our way From all of the listeners uh, Who you know Just watch, listen to the show Relentlessly on a level that We could never imagine and the growth of the show Both here in America and abroad Has been stunning and Wes I know you uh, were getting a ton of that as well That was pretty cool this week
4: What's that Lear from an 80s song Caught a deluge in a paper cup That's what oh, it felt yeah. like halfway through Oof. the week There's a deluge of of uh, Spotify content coming through. It was nice to see, and uh, thankful to everyone who spent eight thousand minutes with us.
3: <laughs> I hope uh, Wes. You know, I know you're not feeling a hundred percent, but as as the great John Bon Jovi said, "Good pod is like bad medicine. Bad medicine is <laughs> that all is the I exact need. Quote. Let's do
2: it. All right. Any more eighties lyrics? <laughs> Wes, you actually quoted that was perhaps. On my short list of favorite 80 songs ever, Don't Dream It's Over by Crowded House. There we go. That is a beautiful song. Please check it out, youngsters listening to the show right now. And again, thank you to all the listeners. Uh, who have reached out to us and supported us not just this year but since the beginning way back in July 2013. Wes this is awesome that you're on the back end of the show and you know we're just going to throw you right in the fire here buddy. We're going to pump you into the draft and uh we're going to reboot this thing. It's like an expansion draft and you will be picking next Uh you have the list of games remaining in front of you. Where are you going?
4: I'm going Eagles at Packers
2: Alright yeah. and why that sir?
4: Because it has the Packers.
2: So they, for you, for you, the, the Packers are appointment television, which is notable because we had gotten to a point, Wes, where they weren't uh, the last couple of years. But things have changed in a very good way for football fans.
4: Things have changed, and they are shallow at wide receiver and tight end. But when they're all healthy, it's just enough. And I think they click when Alan Lazard is there for them. He he shouldn't. He's not a big name guy in households around the country, but he really helps Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers trusts him more than he trusts a guy like MVS. Um, I like the way they're rolling. Robert Tunyon's become a go-to receiver for them. Um, and, and as much as you look at the Chiefs and they've got wide receivers running wide open throughout the game, Aaron Rodgers keeps having to put the ball on the on the money for these guys, and he keeps doing it over and over again. They are appointment viewing. Aaron Jones still making it happen at running back. This offense, right there, at the top of the league with the Chiefs.
3: The offensive line's so good that it does make you a little concerned. Corey Lindsley's out for three to six weeks. You know, one of the best centers in the entire league. Um, they've been kind of the key to me. I mean, the holes they're opening up in the passing game, the protection they give Rodgers. It almost doesn't matter who's there at receiver. But it sounds like they will have Lazard for this game. He left. Sunday night was it this week is really confusing me uh with an injury so I thought oh my gosh they're right back to where they were but he's been at practice and you only need so many points when you're playing
1: like the dead-ass uh Eagles can we say that I guess sure I mean you just did so I think that's okay I mean I I, I always wonder what what is happening to someone like Darius Slay who was massacred on national television uh and you know Twitter's going wild and now he's going to deal with Devontae Adams it feels like um he and Carson Wentz would probably just like to vanish and go take like a boat trip to a distant island and get away from this season that cannot end fast enough for the Eagles. You, when I also think like whenever you've got your head coach answering constant questions about play calling and who's calling the plays and the methodology of calling the plays, it's kind of the indicator that chaos has become is brimming over. And uh, I do wonder about the future
2: of Doug Peterson.
1: I and really you look do. at the
2: schedule. I mean. Look where they're at now. So they they kicked away their opportunity to to right the ship when they lost to the Giants out of their bye. Then they lose to Cleveland. They get beat by Seattle, so they're on a three-game skid. And Now you look at the schedule at Green Bay. That's probably a loss. Home to New Orleans. Uh, Taysom Hill and all that is a little interesting with the Saints, but you don't feel good there. Uh, and at that point, you're three and nine. And I don't care how bad the NFC East is. I'm pretty sure you're cooked at that point. So the, the Eagles are not compelling to me anymore because it used to be a, a month ago, I was compelled by this Carson Wentz, uh, soap opera slash tragedy that was unfolding West. But now he just seems like a broken quarterback and the team seems like it doesn't know what to do. And the head coach seems like he's out of answers. So th- there's not a lot of interest to this Eagles team.
4: When you say broken quarterback, it reminds me of something Trent Dilfer once said about every quarterback needs to be broken like a stallion when they enter the league until they accept coaching. And I, a guy like Carson Wentz who over and over again has said, I'm not going to change the style in which I play. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to hold the ball. I'm going to wait for the play to happen. And he does that every game like it's the Super Bowl. And you can't play quarterback that way just holding the ball. I wonder the way Doug Peterson's coaching him now where they don't call much play action to help him out they really don't call much at all to help him. I wonder if Doug Peterson wants to wait until Carson Wentz hits rock bottom and accepts coaching.
3: I don't know. Jeez. I think he knows he's going down with the ship if it continues and that they're in this together. I think they have. he has played differently the last three weeks in the sense that they seem just determined to prevent turnovers. Like That's all they care about. They're not even trying to roll him out or do anything creative. like That's not working either because he's not accurate. He's not making good decisions. It's a tough watch. This Packers defense isn't great. They've gotten a little juice maybe up front since they, they have Rashawn Gary playing more with Darius Smith inside. They've been disappointing too, but every, every defense looks good against
2: this Eagles team. All right, let's 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 move on. Mark, you're up next. Well, I
1: mean, I have to, you know, we, we the way these drafts work, you've got to schedule your day out. I've got to grab a 4 p.m. or here. I'm going to go Giants at Seattle. I have no problem watching the Giants, the team I grew up watching. Um, Cole I McCoy! No Colt McCoy will be will will you know they have not confirmed this but we we certainly assume Colt McCoy will be starting. Can, um, can
2: I ask you a question Mark and we've touched on this sure. before you named uh your second son after the Cleveland Browns quarterback at the time Colt McCoy. Yes. Does it cause you to root for Colt McCoy or is there much, enough disconnect where it doesn't even like your mind doesn't even process that that your son was literally named after this player that's playing on Sunday.
1: No, of I'm course it would that. make me rude for him. I mean, it's not that far disconnected of an, of an event that it has no meaning to me. I mean, he's also just simply not been on – he's not appeared in our lives for so long that it's kind of interesting to me on its own. Um, I really like Colt McCoy the person. Um, Colt McCoy the quarterback leaves you asking some questions. I thought he missed some, a couple throws last week that suggested he could use some practice time. Um, you're dealing with Seattle's defense that I thought has gotten a little bit better with Carlos Dunlap and Jamal Adams, but you know I know you guys mentioned on our in the speed round of our network show that you thought this would just be a wild blowout. Giants' defense has been better. Leonard Williams has been better. They are the fifth, you know, fifth in the in the NFL in QB hits. They can they've been getting to the quarterback a little bit more. I think they're coached well. Um, I don't think it's going to be a close game, um, especially with Colt McCoy under setter. I think it's sort of a mess that we've that we're Daniel Jones was playing some of his best football he melts out of the lineup and the Giants are still alive for the division uh the timing is awful Seattle can't slip up here mm. I, I wouldn't expect an upset
2: um you know so where do you come down you, we call blowout you said you don't see a blowout <laughs> but you see a one-sided game
1: I no, I don't think it's going to be like a 40 to 10 type thing my when I think blowout I think like Melt the stadium down. I mean, like there can be like to
3: ten. I mean, that Eagles Seahawks that's game almost felt like a like if it's twenty four to ten, that can sometimes feel like a blowout. That's kind of what I expect here. I just think been, the Giants they, have
1: been frisky. That's all.
3: I mean, yeah. I just you know, it's I not wish the Giants Daniel Jones was playing. Year. This would right. be a fun game if Daniel Jones was playing. If he was going to skip one week, though, don't put him on this plane across the country with that hamstring. You're probably going to lose this game anyways. Try to get him healthy for next week. He was doing a couple things at practice and move forward because you're still going to be right in there in the NFC East. You'll probably still be in first place after this week in the NFC East. (laughs)
2: Let me check in here on the progress of Dunlop because... He sounds he's like he's up. out. Sounds like okay. he's out. So that's that's notable. I mean, because he had four sacks in four games, and it wasn't just the sacks. He was essentially bringing West that pressure that they needed uh, up front, and now you don't know what his status is. Uh, will that lead to their pass rush going back off the rails? Because it's been that's been kind of a surprise. It's been legitimately good in the last few weeks, which is something they desperately needed.
4: Yeah, they're a funny team that sees themselves as contenders. But we're willing to go into the season without a pass rusher. You know they let and Clowney go. They drafted L.J. Collier, who's more to me an inside guy than a pass rusher. So they 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 went into the season without a Carlos Dunlap type. They really need him to complete that defense.
2: They and they Jamal Adams essentially was their acquisition to have a pass rusher, which is obviously weird and a little quirky as well. What last tw- week though? Yes, they have 22 sacks since week eight. How about that? And they, um, sacked Carson Went six times on Monday night. All right. Up next in the draft, Greg the Hammer Rosenthal. (laughs) Oh boy. These are the sounds that I make when I don't
3: have my pick ready. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Mike Glennon. Let's go. Vikings. Let's get this, uh, knocked out out of the way. Don't need to see this on Game Pass. You know, Mike Glennon, I would argue, might have played. The best game by a quarterback, uh, a Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback. Also it was isn't. not bad
2: at all. It's not over.
3: It's sad. not over, Wes. Let's bring back the 2013 <laughs> podcast arguments. I think that was our first season doing a podcast, and uh, Wes was firmly on the Mike Glennon's a bum. He doesn't move this Bucks team. I was on the, eh, Glennon's fun to watch. You know what, Wes? You, you probably won that one, but now I'm back in the ring at least.
4: I've known you for how many years now? 15? And it never fails to astound me how poor your memory is. Yeah. Your memory is atrocious. Like after after one start in September you were like, Gardner Minshew's really good. Like he had an awesome game and now I thought Glennon, about it. I went back and looked now Glennon has a C plus game and you're like, Oh yeah, better than any game of Jaguars I went, back and B- of minus P- game. I went
2: back and looked at PFF game.
4: I went back and looked
3: at PF just to like see if I thought it was crazy. I would say he was about the same as like a good Gardner Minshew game. Uh and for what it's worth, they did have him graded as slightly the highest rated uh game by a Jaguars quarterback. So You're I was like, okay, crazy. it's not a crazy talk. It's not You're a crazy talk. You're both crazy.
4: Talk. You and PFF. He had like Lynch five was, or six big-time throws in that game. I mean, that's Lynch just a fact. Play circles around Mike Glennon. Give me a break. I would well, rather have Isn't
2: it interesting, though? Because we all know who Mike Glennon is at this point, and while he did make some throws – uh, I don't think anybody could say that he he was playing at a, a high level last week. I mean, he played as well as Baker Mayfield for sure, well, if not well, I'm better. Just saying, my, I guess my point is this: he's Mike Lennon okay? for one week. Yeah. For one week, yeah. And if Gardner Minshew is healthy, I guess wh- who cares ultimately because Jacksonville's blowing it up at quarterback anyway. But I am surprised that Minshew's not back in the lineup this this week. That's, I am. That's too. All. He's I am too
4: dangerous. He's too risky. That's they can't right. Hard to win.
1: Right, they're telling you that they don't want to win and they're they're doing it as coyly as possible. No one buys it. Well,
3: they have it. a funny way to show it. They've had leads against quality teams now like almost yeah, three weeks in a row. I don't buy that at Minshew's all. That's why Minshew's
4: too risky because the, the Jaguars are frisky. They're actually a decent team that will surprise a lot of people next year. But Minshew's too good. He's going to win games the rest of this year.
1: I'd say they're lucky to have their terrible record. I mean, if they're yeah. aiming to get a first-round pick, they're lucky to, be, to not have won three or four games. I, I'm with you, I, but I also think Jay Gruden liked having Glennon back there,
3: and their offense played well. Like it, I, mean, I don't expect it to continue this week, even against a Vikings defense that's not great rushing the passer, although they've been much better lately. But he played well. The offense made a lot more sense. It made you think like if he was in there instead of Luton, you know, they would have had a better chance to win. Uh but your Vikings, the team of Zeus TL, right there, six and six staring at them.
2: Not just a six and six staring at them, but a, a schedule that's favorable down the stretch. Week fifteen they get the Bears. Week seventeen they get the Lions. You have the Bucks also in there, and who knows what to how to make sense of the Bucks right now, and then they have a tough one at New Orleans in week sixteen. I I think nine and seven is not out of the realm of possibility. We'll see if that gets them in. Kirk Cousins uh, 12 touchdowns and one pick in his last five games. He had 10 picks weeks one through seven, uh, so that's pretty interesting, and here's here's why this is going to be a blowout, because you have a quarterback and Cousins playing extremely well right now. Dalvin Cook's a little beat up, but you imagine uh, they'll be able to run the ball either way, because this is the Jaguars' defensive ranks, and this is why they've lost 10 straight. They are, uh, they are allowing 30 points a game. They are allowing... Uh, 416 yards per game. That's 31st in the league. They are allowing um 136 yards on the ground per game. That's 29th in the league. They are allowing 280 yards through the air. That's 29th in the league. And they only have seven, 11 sacks the entire season. So, and they
3: lost like four or five of their starters in the
2: last two or three weeks alone. So it doesn't help. What a mess. All right. Uh, moving on. Got the old Zeuser. And I need, I need a late game. I really do. Denver, you might be Kansas out of luck City. There. Denver, Kansas City. Oh, that's Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, that uh, is late, but no, it's, it's too late. Too Cincinnati we at Miami. No, Cincinnati at Miami late. You are out of luck on four o'clock. I'm weeks, out of luck. But we okay. can
1: make, we can do some shuffling we'll, around. We'll some deal making.
2: Out. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go Raiders at Jets then. Um, Here's my th- I want to hear Wes's thoughts on this. So this is this is great. Um obviously a disaster for the Raiders uh in Atlanta and the thing uh, everything that could go wrong did go wrong and then the quarterback Carr had such a poor game that I think it had an effect of erasing any positive things uh that Carr has done this season. So they're almost back to zero in terms of respect amongst the football cognoscenti. <laughs> So what happens now? Are they going to go in the tank like they did last year, which would be good news for the Cleveland Browns, Mark Sessler's favorite team, and other AFC playoff hopefuls? Or are they going to bounce back here against, obviously, historically terrible Jets team, get their feet back under them, and then finish out this season and get to the 10 wins they need? Um, I'm not ready to bail on the Raiders. It was a bad week. It was a terrible week. It was an embarrassing week. Uh, But I'm not willing to say based on what we've seen this season, that it was a La Rabia Magnifico, that this was actually a bad team all along. I don't think they are. I don't think they're elite. I don't think they're bad. I think they're pretty good, and that's why I think they killed the Jets, and they will be playing for the playoffs in Week 17. Wes, agree or disagree?
4: If, you're, if your contention is they are an average football team, I agree.
2: I believe them <laughs> to be above average.
4: It's maybe slightly above average. I see them, I've seen them all year as a team that has a chance to get a wild card. Um, sneak in, but I don't see them as like a legitimate threat to anyone who's a, who's a contender. I, I see them as a, kind of an also-ran who might sneak into the playoffs and play one game and lose, but um, I, I sent you guys that out, outrageous stat from Mike Sando of The Athletic. There have been about 11,000 offensive games, which means 5,500 games because there's two offenses in each game, since the year 2000. And the Raiders' performance against the Falcons ranked 10,991st.
2: Oh, my goodness.
4: <laughs> That's how bad they were.
2: It was fluky, um, though, wasn't that it? Was,
4: it was very fluky. I, I'm just saying that, that stat astounded me. Um, but I, I don't think they're that bad, no. I, I think they just had one bad game, and they should have an easy time against the Jets.
1: I mean, we all are going to have like, our worst day, our legit worst day of our life. And that might have been theirs. That might have been a collectively theirs as a group. To, to statistically, based on what you're saying, it was really on the
3: offense too. It was just like yes. the Raiders' offense,
1: right? Like there, I but I'm I'm kind of with you, West. That I I think that there's a, a a group of teams in the AFC that no matter who wins the wild card grouping, like you're just essentially Kansas City Chiefs fodder and i don't really buy a number of them to go on Yeah, but how might... can
2: you say that after what they've done in two games
1: because why do chiefs i have here? to be that impressed with the raiders like they're i think they're just sort of watch the two games against the chiefs i like what they, i think they're built to beat the chiefs
2: I just they're think specifically built to, to beat the chiefs call them cannon fodder after the performances they put up in those spots i guess uh, i just don't trust them to go on what are you saying that they're going to go on a playoff run uh, no, I didn't go that far. I said that I don't think they're going to – I think there's a lot of – it's easy right now to connect the dots to last uh, year at this time where they were, had a similar or same record and then completely folded. Uh, and off of performances historically, as Wes pointed out, awful against the Falcons, there is, there is a temptation to say, oh, the Raiders are done now. I'm just not there no, yet. Not and I think done. part of the reason is the Jets coming up on their schedule allows them to kind of get their feet back under them. I think it's perfect schedule timing for them. Well, they play
3: the Colts and the Dolphins in their final four games. They should beat the Jets, get to seven and five. I get. I so are you saying you you like them better than let's say the Colts and the Dolphins? Because if you yes, don't like them better than those teams, then they're not going to make the playoffs. But if they win those games, they will go to the playoffs. It's, it's, and you like that, them, those are pretty assume, clear games for them. I'd assume they, you like
1: them better than the Browns. Dan.
2: Uh, yeah, I do like them better than the Browns.
1: So they, so you have them as the outside of the titans like the you, 6 that's the 6 the bills probably. the titans
2: the chiefs are all teams i think are, are all division than, yeah. winners so they yeah. are your number 1 wild card team the raiders maybe but they need they obviously have to get off the mat here that's all i'm saying i guess my point is i'm not bailing off the uss gruden right now
3: no, that's Well, that's maybe you will be when quinn and williams wrecks shop uh, how about quinn that's and good. williams more qb nice hits year. and sacks in the last 2 weeks uh, than chase young has all season people trying to really? get chase young a rookie of the year Give me a break. That Love that's that. A, that's another matter. Chase Young's a nice is a good player, but uh let's get some production. Quinn and Williams is on absolute fire, which is nice to see for the next Jets coach. I'm telling you, their best three players are all their top picks from the last two drafts, just about. I mean, with Becton, Mims, and uh Quinn and Williams,
2: that's nice. That's a not have You don't have to squint to get excited about where the Jets could be next June, say. But but first they need to go through the rest of this horrific Horrific season. I'm squinting and pretty prison.
4: hard. <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: It's still going to take a lot. But I do like that their
3: they're top drafted players in the last two drafts are showing you a lot. Which is.
2: Right. I guess what I mean by that is like look at the Browns after their 0-16 and then they had all the draft picks and they brought in the quarterback and all of a sudden it was like, okay, there's actually optimism and you had some of the players in the building. It was like, okay, there's something here to maybe build on. I think getting to that point – can happen quickly. Now whether they actually become a non-embarrassment once the games re, you know begin in next September, well that's another conversation.
1: Well, if Joe Burrow can do for the Bengals what he did, you know, even energy-wise that quickly. I think if you get Trevor Lawrence, you've got something you're cooking because they have a ton of draft picks. Everyone loves the general manager and you'd hope he'd make a lot of good decisions in free agency too. It may you may not
2: be that far away. All right. So let's move on. Uh, is snakes to the Zeus are here. That's right. All right. What well, I'm gonna can I default to Wes, give Wes another pick here.
3: I mean you could take one of the prime times, you could do anything you want.
2: Go ahead, Wes.
4: I will go Bengals at Dolphins. Okay. Against my better judgment after seeing <laughs> Brandon Allen lead an offense. I don't know how they almost beat the Giants last week because that game was an indictment of Ryan Finley, a guy the Bengals drafted in the middle rounds. Can't even beat out Brandon Allen. who. How did the Bengals score? They got a kickoff return for a touchdown. And then their second touchdown was a a phantom defensive passive interference penalty in the end zone, which gave them the ball on the one-yard line, and they went in. They got the ball back on a punt return at midfield with enough time to to come back and win that game, and Brandon Allen gets a strip sack on his first drop back there, they have, they have no offense. He can't throw beyond 15 to 20 yards with any authority whatsoever. They can't stretch anybody. They can't threaten anybody, and they are horrible to watch.
3: Mm. The Dolphins are so lucky that after their worst game of the entire season, which was in Denver— not just that they lost, but they were absolutely manhandled right at the point of the season where a young team that's overachieved a little bit, you do wonder, okay, is this, are they going to teeter? Are they going to collapse? Um, are they going to kind of show us who they are? Then they get the Jets and the Bengals back-to-back weeks, the two worst teams, I think, in the entire NFL now, and they can get right. And they have a very similar defensive scheme to the Giants, who are run by Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, who had Brandon Allen just totally mind-melded. I mean, mind-effed. They, he, he was done. And the Dolphins defense will do it again, and they should romp. With Fitzpatrick, most likely. It doesn't sound like Tua's back.
4: Yeah, Fitzpatrick and Tua are interesting I feel like that offense runs better with Fitz there's one thing Tua does that I think a lot of people notice that he he might even be more accurate on intermediate throws than people expected coming out of Alabama he's been really impressive with that but before last week's game they both had taken 10 sacks this year on about what Fitzpatrick had about two and a half more times dropbacks than Tua did so Fitz makes that offensive line look so much better I wouldn't mind seeing Zach Taylor,
1: even though you don't have your quarterback, out coach someone. I mean, it's you know Tennessee. I'd point to the Tennessee game as an example where that's a good. They did a good job there. But I'm I'm still waiting to find out who this person is. Um, highly anonymous to me, still, which is it.
2: disturbing. I'm going to pull a Sessler here, and I'm not going to wait or care. I'm sending the Bengals off into the cornfields. and Oh, yeah. I'll see you, I'll see you in 2021. They hold no interest <laughs> to me, especially with Burrow gone. I don't really care about Zach Taylor, whether he could coach this team up. I don't think he will. Um, it's just another a, a bummer end of the season uh, for Cincinnati for obvious reasons. Uh, looking at the Dolphins' remaining schedule. Okay, they got to get to 10, right? Most likely. You never know, but probably. Uh, so let's give them a win, 8-4. and four. Then they host the Chiefs. Not feeling good about that. Let's say 8-5. Then a big one, Greggy. Big one in Week 15. Uh, home against the Patriots. Big for both teams. Could be a loser-goes-home match. Yeah, the Dolphins have been a better team all year. I know they
3: lost to the Patriots in week one, that it's a litmus test for them, but
2: they have been the better team compared to the Patriots all year. And then they close against Raiders, at Raiders, I should say, at Bills. So, okay, it's going to be interesting. Tricky
3: end. But that's time. what you want if you're the Dolphins, is that schedule. I know, in, you know like in theory you could try to line up cupcakes. There's not enough cupcakes to go around. So what you want is to play the teams you're exactly competing with. If you can't beat the Raiders and the Patriots like you're you're
2: clearly not a playoff team. Shouldn't be in the dance. I agree. All right, let's move on. Uh knock this one out. This could be going to poor old Nick Shook. Detroit Lions at Chicago Bears. Matt Patricia, obviously no longer the man there. It is who? Daryl Bevel? Yeah. Daryl Bevel will be calling the plays. I have read I read a notebook item on the Lions that with Daryl Bevel on offense, you might see more up tempo and a change in a little bit how they do things on the offensive side of the ball, but I don't know what it means. The the Bears lose every week. Two more teams, Mark Sessler, that we could really safely send to the cornfields.
1: Yeah, I, I, a little bit off topic, but I thought Daryl Bevel um, had an interesting um, in, introductory meeting with the press where he has two daughters, um, and right around the time that he was named interim head coach, Two, the two daughters are are dating or two men, and the two men uh, asked daryl bevel's um permission to marry the daughters now normally when that happens um you, the, he said yes and then they go off and ask the the girls to marry them like uh, in due time, but not like not to be you know that's that happens on its own time. Daryl Bevel told all the reporters that that had happened before the before the two men had asked his daughters, so he Bad outed job. them. As uh, you know, want to be engaged men, I find that to be a weird thing to do as your opening um, statement as a coach. Uh, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Am I overreacting?
2: Well, it wasn't to that?
3: intentional. He was not. He didn't really realize what he had done. I, until... I get it's not
1: intentional, but you've, got, like, to, Daryl, you've got to got to figure that, out. You
2: know, just keep that out of your mouth in general. There's plenty of stuff to talk about in your introductory uh, Zoom call. Let's let's just stay away from the whole topic.
3: He, he said it was to do he,
2: that. he said it was like a cra- crazy weekend. I mean,
3: uh, who knows? Maybe Bevel will be like this crazy uh, interim coach. You know, he'll just like reignite the Lions. Uh, get ready. What? I don't know. That's what, what he's
4: the new Dan Campbell.
3: I don't know. Me- Mina, I did Mina Kimes' podcast and she was like legitimately excited for the Bevel era. Check that out. I, I couldn't I couldn't get there. And by the way, the Bears no, might not be not. done yet, Dan. The Bears play the Lions this week. And so if they win this terrible game, they're six and six, which not is not only is just in it, but might be tied for the last playoff spot. And then they play uh another dog team, the Texans next week. They might lose that game. They have the Jaguars coming up. The Bears are gonna annoy us, I feel like, and stick around mm. uh longer than we want.
2: Ah, okay. Maybe. I think with the Mina thing, Mina was with Sessler on the Lions bandwagon back in September. Mm, Maybe that was it. And she's probably just, you know, staying on the bandwagon, which is noble in its own right. And she actually just helped um, David Chang win a million dollars on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So, like, she's got that going on. So, I, I. I, I don't know I don't know about the Bears though. Do you really do you really think they'll be hanging around? Or no, you think this is a free fall team.
3: Here's what I think is that the I would pick them to win this game because of their defense. And so that's just like another week they're going to be in our lives where they could legitimately be got tied it. for the final playoff spot. And then you have the Texans. I don't know. Could they? You know, they. Everyone remembers the Bears last year as like the worst team in human history, and they won eight or nine games last year too. Like they'll probably do it, and then this NFC race, they might still be playing meaningful games in Week 16. And we'll have to talk about them. Isn't that annoying, Chris? Yeah, Greg,
1: I, I, this Greg, that's an un, unnecessary way to go with this conversation.
2: <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's move on here. Uh, sh- sh- all right, let's dig in with the rest of these games that are being played. Uh, in primetime, we'll start with Sunday night football. Denver Broncos at Kansas City Chiefs. Wes, do you think like people slept on a little bit? Uh, maybe they didn't. Maybe it's just my, my life is crazy, just like everybody else's life is crazy right now. But Tyreek Hill had 200 yards in one quarter on Sunday. That's one of the most amazing things that we've ever seen in football.
4: It's easy to lose track of things in this year. And that's one of the things that maybe we've already... Lost track of. By the time the second quarter started, people were already moving on to something else. But it was an amazing performance. I talk about. I, I talked about it on the Sunday night recap. Reminded me of the time I got emasculated in coverage. Ah, that was a tough, um, tough stitch <laughs> yeah, for you. So but uh, you moved
2: on a little bit. It's still yeah, in your mind though.
4: Brought back some bad memories watching yeah. old uh, uh, Carlton Davis get toasted there. But yeah, I think the, <laughs> the Chiefs. I mean, come on. That, Everyone, I, I, It seems like everyone else, even even if the Chiefs, even if Steelers go undefeated and meet the Chiefs in the playoffs, the Chiefs are going to be favored in that game. They're just Under that game. good. That You know what?
2: That's a good way to put it, West. because, for instance, I have the Chiefs ahead of the Steelers in the power rankings, and that is the most basic way you could kind of boil it down to that. It's like one team finishes 15-1, and one, the other one's 16-0. If they meet the line, Greg, let's go to the desert. Let's hypothetically set the line. Both teams are... Uh, pretty much healthy. Uh, what would in you say? One in Pittsburgh. Uh, oh, the, the game will be in Pittsburgh. Three and a or half. Or a bubble site in Orlando. What do you three, got? Three and a half. Three First and favorite. a half for the Chiefs. For yeah. the Chiefs. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's. I would. I was going to say closer to three. And but, you know what? I would yeah. feel
3: great taking the Chiefs because I would just feel great taking the Chiefs against uh, anyone, especially the Broncos. Who they've is outscored ninety six to twenty five? By the way, the last three times <sighs> they played ninety six to twenty
1: five. <laughs> right. If I'm we, all set with the Broncos right now. I mean, if I we mean, point they... to the sorry, if we point to the Raiders as a team, I think is being built to uh, compete with Kansas City. They're not totally there, but there's a lot of promise, as we talked about. The Broncos, I thought, might be that team this year, and none of it's come together on any level on offense. Like all the excitement about all the pieces. I love Jerry Judy to some degree, but like all the chaos, like. I don't know if Vic Fangio is the guy to take you into the oh, golden yeah. lands. Um, if you're Denver at this point, like he feels I mean, like again, a coach. The quarterback
2: like- again. The quarterback position, such a mess there. Right. Jerry Judy, remember that game? I think it was. It might have been Week One. Uh, one of those Monday night games where he did uh, some of his footwork with the ball in his hands, and we were all just like blown away by it. That guy doesn't even exist in the NFL right now. It's just like everything has gone down this vortex in Denver. They're a very frustrating team this season.
4: They
3: are. I think down. that's well said. Aren't you let down? I mean, I was. I have. I was more wrong about the Broncos than any any team, and it's part of like the reason Kendall Hinton was had no chance last week. I mean, he wasn't going to have a chance, probably <laughs> anyways. But they were they were dead last in DVOA offensively entering that game. And Drew Locke started most of these games, and they weren't any, like, better or worse with Drew Locke in or out of the lineup. And so that's where I think Broncos fans who are, like, so upset, like, just need to have a reality check. And you know what? You usually get one when you play this Chiefs team who have just absolutely owned them <laughs> in the Fangio era. And I think Fangio's gone. To me, the question is more, is John Elway the guy? Because how many how many coaching whiffs is he going to get?
4: Yeah, I think Fangio's gone. I think Locke's gone. I think you'll see... Elway might go chase a Matthew Stafford type. Um, I mean, the
3: ownership might be gone. The ownership is having all this problems where yeah. Bolins are fighting against each other, and uh, there's all this. It's it's a problem.
2: All right, let's move on to. Uh, and by the way, the desert has that at 14 points. So ouchie. Uh, that is uh, Al Michaels is you know going to be furious again. You get Al mad, to get him surly in the second half. When he Al, the one thing Al cares about is ratings more than anything else. Surprised and they didn't flex out of this game, but I know it's the Chiefs. I think it's just the Mahomes factor. Is Mahomes the MVP, by the way, right now. Right now he would. I have Tim and Rogers, Rogers right? neck and neck. I have him and Rodgers neck and neck.
1: Personally, you get my one so I, I want to see out out to
2: the PFWA. <laughs> Wes, where would uh, I know the uh, QB indexes on hiatus, but who would be number one on the uh, index right now?
4: I might have to go with the unprecedented, put them both with the number one beside their name and just move on to number three. Ooh, pulling a Sessler. Get on that fence. I, 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 Listen, I give on. the edge <laughs> to Rogers just because Mahomes has so much more to work with.
1: This this fence thing is also ancient. Like I don't do fence stuff anymore. I mean, I'll I'll I will ask the listeners to go find another deep do another deep dive on fence work. I don't work on fences anymore. Utterly absurd. It's from just like cut. 2014. Like utterly absurd. Because I picked games to go into overtime. Please. All right. Cut those
3: last 15 seconds, Ricky. That's all we need. We don't need two minutes of uh, that. That's what I want as our, our podcast preview promo. Right? Very there. still.
2: Fence. Very stale. is off the fence, on the fence. No Finally, longer. Tuesday, football. How about that? The Dallas Cowboys at the Baltimore Ravens. You know, I can't even keep this stuff straight. How come the Ravens get the extra day, not the Steelers, when it was the Ravens that caused... All the scheduling uh, snafus around Steelers Ravens, uh, Greg. You are you're always plugged in to the schedule and Park Avenue. How come it worked out this way? You sound like uh, every Steelers fan right now. I'm just I, defeated by this. It's just the well, I did,
3: get rewarded if if um, if you're asking why are the Ravens Tuesday and the Steelers Monday? I have no idea. Uh, I have no clue. Both of the NFC East teams, Washington and Dallas, has a little extra rest. This is a huge game for Baltimore, Uh, you know, though. it's We don't know who's going to be back from their COVID list, which to me feels like the most important part of this game. If Lamar Jackson is back and, you know, we know some of the other Ravens players like Matthew Judon are back, you know, I think there's a spine to this team they showed defensively that's not going away. Uh, With all the people that they're missing, you got to win this game and get some more people back for the Monday night Browns-Ravens game. Because when I looked at the rest of the season schedule, that Browns-Ravens, Monday night, with everything that's happened... Um, with both of these teams and their franchises, like that's one of the games I'm most excited for the rest of the year because that is your. Bra- I know the Browns have the Titans this week, but you can lose that game. Even if they win that game, this Browns Ravens game with the Browns having a chance to maybe knock the Ravens out of the playoffs one year after they had home field advantage—that is spicy. So you yeah, got to well, take care. You got to find a way to beat Dallas, which is not necessarily going to be that easy. The way everything's going, I mean, the
1: dark mirror version of that is the Cleveland gets um, ransacked by Tennessee with all eyes. <laughs> (laughs) And then they lose on national television to the Ravens, which I think they've done like nine or ten times in twenty years. Like they've consistently put Cleveland against. That's who they are. I want to find out. I need to tap into some of your optimism on that front. I think this, like to your point about how tough they played Pittsburgh, um, Cowboys line Zach Martin when he came back in. That's when we got a little bit of Cowboys hope. And they talked about how much better the communication was on that line. That it just you know there were a lot of there were so many changes and lineup changes there that Zach Martin came in and was just sort of the dude he's gone um, Cam Irvin is gone I'm not a big Cam Irvin guy as Wes knows but he was he was a guy for them and they're back in that place where their line is a total mess and if the Ravens get a bunch of these guys back um, look out I think they're going to handle Dallas Dallas feels yeah, like a lost ship to me
2: this feels like a. the Ravens are obviously a proud team with uh, uh, you know veterans and uh, it's well coached team and I just think They are going to rally here in a big spot, uh, knowing they need to win. And I think they win. It doesn't matter who's the quarterback. And I know that RG3, it's sad because everyone remembers RG3 coming into the league. What an incredible athlete he was to see him uh, try to be that guy. Uh, on Wednesday, and his body was just like, no, man, we can't do this anymore. Uh, that was a bit of a bummer. And then Trace McSorley came in, and he got that late touchdown uh, that did some desert damage. But other than that, <laughs> they have major problems on offense um, with with without Lamar. But you imagine their backfield will get some reinforcements for this game. And as long as they don't completely implode on offense, I think that defense, which I totally agree with you on that, Greg, uh, they played – that was a proud defense that was really, really stepped up against the Steelers and nearly um, – I wouldn't say win the game, but kept them in that game with all those big stops. I think they're going to throttle the Cowboys, who are mm. beat up and I think broken at this point of the year. We might be we are overreacting
3: a little to last week, though. I mean, you, you, you were so excited about the Cowboys last week. They – you know, you locked them up, Dan – I'm just saying, I don't think I don't think any game is a gimme right now for this Baltimore team. As many struggles as you mentioned, they're having on offense. Dallas had been trending in the right direction. They had a just a terrible game, um, but man, this I don't know this zombie Ravens team. They got to show you something. Three in a row losses.
4: I just want to thank RG three because the only reason I tuned into that game was to see how his sliding has evolved, <laughs> 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 and he he is so averse to sliding at this point that the one time. He slid in this game was that long run up the middle and he didn't know how to stop himself so instead of sliding he turned around and backwards dove onto his back on the ground <laughs> That was it's his amazing slide. I was, remember writing articles
2: on around the uh, around the league for nfl.com about RG3 sliding and what he needs to do to improve as a slider uh, I Mark I think you probably wrote 15 or 17 posts about his sliding as well That was a major subplot Coming out of his rookie season And even during it I think
1: Yeah back then Like you wouldn't cover A story once It would be like we, this, this, this person's name Is taking off um, In terms of clicks We're going to cover This angle The sliding The RG3 um, Being asked out By Kim Kardashian At one point I believe I wrote an article <laughs> on I mean it was just like Everything RG3 Is getting on that website
2: and he was married at the time. It was like he said yes to Kim and he was married. No, that's, concerning. I don't remember if that's true or not. All right. There you go. Week 13. How about that? Week 12. Teen. Who knows what it is? We'll be back on Friday. Uh, excuse me. See? Everything's, everything's tough now. Everything's difficult to discern. We'll be back on Sunday with the flagship program where we recap every game we just previewed. Uh, Chris, a real treat here to have you in the back end of the preview program.
4: My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me.
2: Absolutely you, sir. good, sir. And thank you, everybody. Make sure you check out our NFL Network program that airs Saturday, repeatedly, including right in you know pre-dawn. That's you know we they asked us when do you want your show to air. We said Saturday morning, six a.m. and they they uh, they complied. <laughs> so that's that's the first airing. Check it out. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the Mailman, the Old Boss, Ricky Hollywood behind the virtual glass. Until Sunday.